0: Hello and welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, 2020 has been a rough year on so many fronts, and today we're talking about a subject that is both heart-wrenching but very, very important. With me here today is our guest, Karen Solomon, the president and co-founder of Blue Help, an organization that provides help and support for survivors of law enforcement families of those lost by suicide. She's also the author of "Hearts Beneath the Badge" and the Price They Pay," as well as many articles about law enforcement-related suicide. Welcome, Karen Solomon.
1: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, oh, our, our pleasure. So your mission statement reads uh, that it is the mission of Blue Help to reduce mental health stigma through education, advocate for benefits for those suffering from post-traumatic stress. Acknowledge the service and sacrifice of law enforcement officers we lost to suicide, assist officers in their search for healing, and to bring awareness to suicide and mental health issues. So, Karen, how do you uh, work towards accomplishing your mission? What motivates you every day?
1: Motivates uh, me. If that's a hmm, that's a hard question to answer because there's a lot of factors involved in this. I mean, I started it because. I realized that a lot of the families were being pushed aside after the suicide, and it was a really troubling situation that they find themselves in um, because they don't receive benefits, they don't get a lot of support. So I I found myself starting this because of them, and then I found that officers who need mental health, they are really in a bad place before it and they're also pushed aside they don't get the assistance they need so that was the original motivation was just kind of to make things right for them but now the motivation is more of it's that feeling of we're making progress and we're we're raising awareness and, and it means something to the family so i'm more motivated by the satisfaction the families get when something is done for them and they find that things are moving forward. So, the next officer, God forbid, that takes his life, their family gets more support. Or the next officer that's thinking about it doesn't do it. So, it's all those little successes that push me forward every day.
0: Well, I mean, those are all noble ideas and, and uh, motivations. And, um, I, you know, I applaud you for your work there. And it's a tough topic to talk about in the best of times, but it seems especially painful now with the national protests that are happening across the country. And I I imagine that everyone in law enforcement knows someone who took their own life. And sometimes in retrospect, it seems that there may have been signs and yet others seem to come completely from out of the blue. And I know it used to be, I mean, you just talked about it in in my last 30 years of of law enforcement, that it was always taboo to acknowledge suicide or to to reach out afterwards to families. And um, I mean, that's part of your motivation. And your organization keeps them in the forefront of our minds with messages and books, articles and on social media. And I'm wondering is that is that part of your strategy is that part of the mission to, to just keep it in the forefront?
1: That is our primary mission. So uh, by keeping it in the forefront, we are encouraging others we are encouraging others to do something about it. So if if nobody is talking about it, then nobody knows what the problem is. So I'm I'm a very firm believer that you can't solve a problem unless you know the scope of the problem. So if we continue to say we have number of suicides this year you know we are at x number of suicides now this is up or down from last year similar to what we do for line of duty then people will continue to pay attention to it they'll start to look for the reasons for what why this is happening they'll start to look for solutions so it, it, awareness is really what we do best and because of the awareness that we've raised there's been multiple um laws there's the law enforcement mental health uh, the Law Enforcement Suicide Data Collection Act was just passed, uh, which requires the FBI to collect the suicide data on attempted and completed suicides. There's another bill right now. It is uh, proposing that Officers who are disabled for post-traumatic stress or who die by suicide because of post-traumatic stress related to their job get PSOB benefits. That's something that we would never have thought about five or ten years ago, and it's truly because the awareness that is being raised. And these things are happening because we keep it in the forefront, because we keep reminding people this is happening, these officers need help. So awareness is what brings about change, and that's what we do really well.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you know, I subscribe to your Facebook and your Instagram, and I tell you the natural reaction for me is to move past it, right? When you 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 pop up a, a profile of an officer who just uh, fell to suicide, and there's this sort of natural tendency to almost want to resist it, but um, I've I've made myself, um, you know, stop and read it and acknowledge uh, the individual. And I noticed, um, on Facebook recently, you have, um, a profile enhancement. It's a circle that says break the stigma and hashtag, I will listen. And, Uh you know, I added it to my profile and I'll tell you, the response I got was immediate and at least a dozen people acknowledged it. And, and many others used the, the logo to add to their own profile. So, I think it's a good thing. I think it it is really encouraging people. Um, what other kind of outreach are you doing like that?
1: So, in addition to the social media, we have local events. Um, we have uh, suicide awareness walks for law enforcement. So, we have uh, we've declared September twenty sixth Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day, and we have walks around the country on that day to
0: raise awareness
1: and raise funds for the families. We have dinners for the families, events for the families. We do a lot of training. We get a lot of training requests and speaking requests. So all of that combined with the social media just kind of brings it out. And, you know, the more, you know, we do interviews, we do podcasts. So the more we talk, the more people hear us, and they start spreading the message. So we do a lot of stuff, like I said, with the families. And our focus, you know, we try to get the stuff out there to the general public, but our focus really is helping the families. You know, we want them to feel welcomed, feel loved, feel like they're still part of the family, and get the support they need after a suicide. And that, in turn, motivates them because they typically want to prevent any more suicides. They want to prevent families from going through what they've gone through. So by supporting them, it gives them an emotional strength to move forward and help with prevention um, in their region and that's what they want to do they a lot of the families go out and they speak about what they've been through and that really impacts people similar to what you just said about the photos you know yeah it's not easy to post those photos but you the 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 thing is, by looking at that photo, by reading that officer's story, you realize that this isn't some, you know, hunchbacked, no tooth guy who lives in the mountains that nobody cares about. It's a real, live, breathing person. It's the guy sitting next to you in your patrol car. So we have to face that. We have to look at their faces. We have to hear their stories because that's what impacts people, and that's what helps them to understand that this is a problem in society with real, regular people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in in perusing your website, you also note that um, uh, there have been trends and numbers dating back to 1979 and the numbers don't necessarily show an increase, but maybe just uh, more awareness and more reportings of suicide where maybe in the past, you know, because of the stigma, they've been reported as accidental, uh, whatever, shootings, overdoses or driving related and looking over the numbers in 2016, um, you report 143 suicides, uh, 2017, uh, 172, 2018, 174, pretty, pretty stable numbers. And then 2019, we jump up to 228. And then 2020, as of last night, I looked at the website and you had 110 uh, 10 to date. And so, how does the, the awareness um, factor into the reporting of the numbers?
1: So certainly when more people learn about us, they report more suicides to us. And, and we collect suicides of any year, any d- duty status. So 2019, uh, we won't know yet for a couple of years if that was an anomaly or what it was. But mm-hmm. 2019, we were really out in front of people. Obviously, 2020, we we. we we had a lot of events scheduled, a lot of things scheduled, but they've all been canceled because of COVID. So we found that in 2019, we were really out there, and people would approach us constantly with suicides. And we don't get the frequency right now. Um, there's certainly a lot. We, we, we have 110 with nine more pending that we're confirming. So we're down from last year. Last year at this time, we had 150. But we don't know if it's truly because things went down or they're not getting to us right now. Uh, The other thing is we did see a significant decrease in the March-April time period around COVID. Uh, We didn't have the usual 10 to 20 that we have a month. They were less than 10 both months suicides. And and that could have been that renewed sense of purpose for officers because of COVID-19 and everything. And, And now the numbers have started to tick back up and we're seeing more frequency. We're back to the regular frequency that we see. So again, that could have been because of COVID, we can't say for sure right now why there's a decrease this year or why last year was a spike because you have to have like eight to 10 years of consistent data to be able to put any kind of real picture in front of it. So we're in year five. So hopefully in another year or two, we can take a better look and say, okay, yes, 2019 was definitely an anomaly or um it's a it's a running number so if somebody reports another suicide to us for 2016 and it's one we don't have we will update it so you know once we collect more data um you know for a few more years and more people know about us we'll have a better picture
0: okay yeah i mean you mentioned uh 19 and i know the the law officers memorial um they're counting uh COVID deaths in um, their officers um killed in the light of duty and um I know in the in the general public there have been some COVID related um, suicides and I would imagine those are going to be hard to tabulate uh, unless there's some real indicators that it was related. Um, what's your professional um, uh, affiliation with uh, your allies? Who who are your allies um, outside of law enforcement?
1: Uh, We work with the American Association of Suicidology, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, We work with Motorola's been a great supporter, but they they are inside of law enforcement. Um, We have some professors at different universities that work with us to take a look at our data and help us make it better and make our data collection better. So we've, but our primary allies are AAS and AFSP outside of law enforcement because obviously they work in the circle of law enforcement suicide. I mean, not in law enforcement suicide, in suicide prevention in general. So mm-hmm. they're a great resource for us. And we also have, you know, military resources, like there's the TAPS program where they assist um, families who lose military members to suicide. And As a matter of fact, this morning we have a widow. Her husband was a veteran and a police officer, and she's having issues getting benefits from the VA because of his suicide, so we put her in touch with TAPS this morning to help. So there's a lot of overlap with the military, so we, we keep those relationships close as well.
0: Mm-hmm yeah I mean, you mentioned uh, the the education and the the statistics um, analysis. Are there any efforts to use the tracking information to help us understand how we'd be able to prevent um, future losses? I mean, are we learning anything from not only collecting the data but analyzing it?
1: Yes, yeah, so we did again, we had a professor who looked at it recently, and he is going to use it in a publication that he's working on right now. He doesn't feel it's appropriate for peer review paper at this time because they want to see more data. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, we do we do collect things, you know, did they have post-traumatic stress? Did they seek help in the past? Was there a recent event that triggered this, that may have triggered the suicide? You know, typically, like, what was their breaking point? Um, was there a history of domestic violence, childhood abuse, alcoholism? We, we collect as much of that as we possibly can from the families and we have that all stored and we're just waiting till we get six complete years because suicide is super complicated. um, So you cannot just say, oh, look, we have a year of data or we have 300 cases and here's what it looks like because it's, you know, it's, it's, there's so many facets to it. So, so we don't want to, we've, we've held this very close because we want to be responsible with it because we don't want to come out and say something and then, you know, become the rule of land, because that's not what it is. It's not just because they get a divorce. It's not just because they have alcohol problems. It's not just because of cumulative stress. So, mm. so we've, we've spent a lot of time with the professor and he felt like we should wait another year before we do anything significant with it. But the general trend is that it's it's, it's typical of the societal issues that we have. The only difference is that they're law enforcement officers and most of them feel like they cannot get help because they're police officers. It's the stigma that we have found has been very prominent.
0: Sure. No, like with most mental health issues, uh, I know there's the fear, you know, the loss of the job, the possibly being disarmed and other things like that that go beyond just the, the general public's concerns. So those are those are all real concerns. And. That's great that you're having this study being done, and um, I, I'm I, I'm really looking forward to looking at the at the data analysis. Um, Major League Baseball seems to have uh, approached the issue with the wives of um, Los Angeles Angels, uh, Mike Trout's wife Jessica, and the Giants, San Francisco Giants, Brandon Crawford's wife Jaleen. Uh, they're both talking about the loss of loved ones openly. Their campaign's called uh, Your Game Isn't Over Yet, and they sell clothing with a semicolon and words of encouragement um, in clothing, and they're selling this clothing to to benefit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It's not uh, law enforcement related, but again, it's that um, hammering away at the stigma, uh, making people more aware, getting people to talk openly about it, uh, recognizing signs and things like that. Do you think these kinds of um, campaigns are they helping us get past the stigma? Have you seen a change in, say, the last five years?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the more the stigma is erased, the easier it becomes for law enforcement. So, law enforcement, you know, it's a it's a subculture within society, and it's it's obviously different. And it's going to be, take longer and more work for that stigma to be erased in law enforcement. But as discussing it and seeking help becomes more normalized in traditional society, then it's going to move down to all these different subcultures, whether it's first responders, the military, kids and school-age kids, whatever it is. As we work to erase the stigma, it has a trickle-down effect on everyone. So it's it's not just a law enforcement issue. That's just who we choose to focus on. It's a societal issue. And, again, once society becomes more accepting of mental health issues and seeking help, then law enforcement will start to feel that as well, and it will work its way down to them. So it's it's really significant. It's wonderful. It's great. And the more people that get involved in this, the better, whether it's through survivor support, whether it's through prevention efforts, awareness, you know, it's, it's the more the more the better. You cannot have enough people working on this issue.
0: That's great. Now, um, are you doing anything with um, uh, peer um, programs, um, training officers to, to be um, uh, peer support?
1: Yeah, we have a lot of partners on um, the peer support couple. There's a few other organizations that do standard peer support we have a lot of departments that have great peer support programs in place so we often get requests saying hey um, I want to get a peer support program in my place. Can you can you help me? And we will find out, you know, what kind of department, what size they are, and we will refer them to another department that has a similar program in place and put them together to help. Um, there's a the chief, Mike Goldstein. He's amazing. He's got a great program in place at his department. We recently had somebody contact us and said, "Hey, listen, this is my budget. Can you help me set up a peer support program?" And we put the two of them together. So, so we're not the catch, you know, we're not the catch-all. We don't do everything um, because we can't because we all have full-time jobs, we volunteer, and we're just trying to get the awareness out there. So if somebody comes to us and they need something, we will find them the person that will help them, and then they can work together to do that. So peer support is a huge thing, and there's a lot of people out there willing to help implement programs in different departments around the country.
0: Mm hmm. So you just mentioned you you're all your board are full time uh, people doing this, you know, out of the, their own grace and their own volunteer time. Uh, what What are your other stumbling blocks? What what can our listeners do to help?
1: Um, Obviously, you know, assembling blocks are making sure we're collecting the data. So if if anyone knows of a suicide any year, any duty status, let us know, because we do. We track the retired. We can parse it all out as requested. Um, We do have a few John Does in there because they've been reported uh, in the news, but the name wasn't released, so we'd like to verify those. So uh, there's that. There's also always funding. You know, we're a nonprofit, so we like to help our families With you know Christmas gifts because they can afford them because. Get the benefits. We like to help them if they need a copay. We have kids who, you know, become suicidal after their parent dies. So we help them. um, Also, just getting the awareness out there, Um, training, providing free training, things like that. So if we can't provide the free training, we can pay for someone to go do it for the department. Mm. And that all comes out of our budget, you know, because we want to help as much as we can. So obviously, fundraising, awareness. And I think the biggest thing people can do, other than talking about normalizing seeking help um, is to make sure that the law enforcement officers in your life know that you will not think less of them if they seek help. And if you sense that somebody is struggling, try to be a good friend to them, try to lend them an ear, try to get them help. There's so many resources out there. And I think what people can do for themselves, especially now where things are so uncertain with COVID, is Say to yourself, if, if I need help, where am I going to go? And if you don't know where you're going to go for help, find it now. Find a local resource. Find something that you think might fit your personality style, whether it's a chat room, um, a hotline, a, a private practitioner, but have like a kind of a backup list that you can go to that, God forbid, you become, you, you're you in that space where you're really desperate so that you don't have to look for it when you need it. You have it in your back pocket and you're ready to get help when it's time. That's that's something that everybody should do for themselves. It's, it's you know, there's that analogy of having the fire extinguisher. you have a fire extinguisher in your house in case you have a fire, why not have a list of resources on hand in case you have a fire in your mind, a mental health issue?
0: No, absolutely, you know, Better to be prepared and uh, have it, and not need it, than to need it, and not have it. Uh, it. Those are great, great words of advice. So we, we have your, um, we're going to post your website, www.bluehelp.org. Um, September 26th is the Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day. You're going to plan some walks. I, I suppose that our listeners could go to your website and find out where they are near them.
1: Yes, and the one that we have that's the biggest thing of all is going to be in Texas. We There is a bridge there that uh, a group walks the bridge back and forth every month to raise awareness for first responder and veteran suicide, and we will be in Texas renaming that bridge. It will be called Heroes Bridge, and we will be there to discuss that location as a location for a memorial park and monument for first responders and military loss to suicide. So that's a huge um It's a huge undertaking and we're really excited about it because all of these first responders, they deserve a memorial place to, for their families to go to reflect and for us to host events and things like that so we can recognize their service. Again, this is about recognizing their lives, their service, and what great men and women they are, that they were, not what they died by. You know, so, so this memorial park will be specifically for suicide, for law enforcement, you know, dispatchers, EMS, firefighters, corrections, and military.
0: That's great. And what city is that in?
1: That's going to be in Rowlett, Texas. That's where we'll be.
0: Great. All right. Anything else uh, you'd like us to know?
1: No, I, I just appreciate your time. Uh, you, people can, like you said, check out our website, bluehelp.org. Let us know if you need anything, if you're a family who lost an officer to suicide, um, and we can help you out as best we can and direct, you, put, point you in the right direction.
0: Awesome. And... I'd like to end with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. The number is 1-800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. You can call that 24-7. And I appreciate you so much, Karen Solomon, for being on the show, but also for what you do and your devotion to the issue and dedicating your time, all very noble and appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to our listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Again, it's a tough uh, topic, um, but it needs uh, to be discussed. It needs to be acknowledged. And um, it, we'd love to hear your feedback on it uh, right under the podcast or send us a message on policingmatters at police1.com. That's one word, policing matters at police1.com thanks for listening be safe i'm jim dudley take good care